Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on a magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. A lot to celebrate. Oh, we didn't get everything we wanted over the weekend, but still a very, very, very good weekend for Mississippi State. Mississippi State men's basketball goes on the road and wins at Budwalt Marina something that we absolutely had to have. We knew that that was a possibility, but that was one of those games on a schedule. I think everybody looked at it and said, you know what? That's going to be tough. But the Bulldogs rise to the occasion and win the ball game. Mississippi State baseball with a sweep of Wright State. We had hoped for and expected that. A lot of things we learned about the team. Yes, it's just one weekend, but I think we all feel pretty good about some young stars that have already begun to shine for the Diamond Dogs. We'll talk about much of that. And as expected, the game at Kentucky for the Mississippi State women proved to be very challenging. 
talked about that for the last couple of weeks. That was probably the last really difficult game on the regular season schedule for Mississippi State. And as a result, uh, State loses that ball game. Now two games out of first place in the SEC. Uh, need to win out. Good chance they will win out. But we'll look at the schedule. We'll look at what went wrong and kind of what we learned from the team. Uh, there were times in that ball game in that fourth quarter they were down considerably, fought their way back, just couldn't finish the deal. And again, you, you got to tip your cap to Kentucky. We have taken some really good basketball teams to Lexington, Kentucky, on both sides, the men and the women, and come home with a loss. But that Kentucky trip has always been kind of challenging for us on the women's side, too. I mean, it's just one of those things, you know, South Carolina is the rival school for us now, but uh, that trip to Kentucky has always been one that has uh, brought out a little bit of uh, anxiety. So congratulations to the Cats. The Bulldogs are regrouping. You know, it's one of those things, too, you learn a lesson from that. Perhaps you get a chance to see them on a neutral floor and, and even the score. But uh, be that as it may, a very successful weekend for Mississippi State. Thank our good friends, uh, Bulldog Burger Company. Lots to look forward to at Bulldog Burger Company. Yeah, I am the grizzly, salty Bulldog Burger Company veteran. I have been around since the infancy of that establishment. I've seen it all. I've ridden the wave. I've enjoyed myself. Many of you have done the same. And I've got some exciting news for you. There are some new things to try at Bulldog Burger Company. Going to be running these as specials here in the, in the I think it's available now. Go in and order today. Bulldog Burger Company Nachos. Pork belly, chorizo, cheddar, pico de gallo, sour cream, avocado, black beans, bell pepper, cilantro, and queso. I will be trying that my next visit which will be this week. How about this new one, the Diamond Dog? Smoked pork sausage, caramelized onions, truffled onions, peppers, mayo, spicy mustard, spicy mustard, jalapeno poppers, a new appetizer there as well, cream cheese, pepper jelly, jalapenos, bacon, and bib lettuce. Where do I sign up? The Travis. This is, this is, this is an exciting one because they have twin burger patties on this one. Double the cheddar cheese, grilled in onions with mayo, it sounds simple, but it will cure what ails you, the Travis. And finally, a new dessert. And we all need a new dessert, right? The brownie jubilation. Jubilation's brownie, vanilla ice cream, whipped cream, and chocolate sauce. Lots of high-calorie goodness there. So next time you're in, try one of those new items. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Tupelo, and now Starkville, as always, where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So let's break down the men's basketball thing. So it was a, uh, I think most people, when you look at the schedule, you said, okay, that's probably a one-in-one one week. But with two road games, we very easily could have dropped them both. But we win, we lose in embarrassing fashion in, old, in Oxford. And then we, we rally the troops very easily could have allowed the, the sting of that disappointing loss on Tuesday to linger over to Saturday. That doesn't happen. Uh, we win the ball game, so let's go ahead and kind of break down and look at this. You know, one of the things I don't quite understand, I, I see some people from time to time on so social media making some disparaging comments about Reggie Perry. I understand that uh, we all get a little emotional at times. And one of the things that I, that I used to observe when it came to, when I, lived, when I worked in corporate America before I had all this hair, I used to observe the 24-hour rule with some emails because I didn't want to make an emotional reaction. Some of, some of you, and I'll include myself, some of us at times need to take 
a break or institute a one to two hour policy when it comes to commenting on sporting events. And some people might want to consider a no tweeting or Facebook posting policy during games. I've read people say, well, you know, it's, it's time to put Reggie Perry on the bench. No, it's not. And it's never time to put Reggie Perry on the bench because Reggie Perry is our star player. Reggie Perry has consistently been the leading scorer for Mississippi State for a long time. Reggie Perry is an SEC Player of the Year candidate. Now, we've got to win some more ball games. Reggie Perry is doing his part, okay? So we, we can stop with the craziness. We're not going to bench Reggie Perry. We're not, we're not a better team with him on the bench. That's silliness. Reggie undefeated against Arkansas now in his career against Arkansas. And that has to probably sting a little bit. As a former Arkansas commitment, I'm sure they wonder what might have been. Reggie with 17 points and eight rebounds on Saturday in 36 minutes of action. He did get four fouls. A couple of those I thought were a little cheap. Did have five turnovers. It was a uh, it was an up and down basketball game, but uh, Reggie more than did his share. Five of seven from the line, six of nine from the floor. Probably should have looked for him a little bit more. DJ Stewart with ten points. Nick Weatherspoon chips in ten. Robert Woodard with five. Tyson Carter, the much maligned Tyson Carter, twenty six points off the bench. Twenty six points. And it was his floater at the end. And you take that shot, the timing on that was perfect. That's one of the things that you know, a lot of people want to hold for the final shot or whatever. I think you hold for the final two shots. You know what I'm saying? I think you know that everybody is going to be collapsing on the shooter, especially on a guy that's driving to the basket. But give yourself a chance for a putback, but also do it with just enough time that they don't have time to kind of mount an offensive response. So Tyson throws it up there, misses, and Adu tips it back in with six-tenths of a second left. Abdul, Abdul will do two points, probably the biggest two points of his Mississippi State career. Tremendous, tremendous, tremendous effort. Tyson Carter, 29 minutes of action, 8 of 14 from the floor, 2 of 4 from three-point line. He hit a three that was huge down the stretch. 8 of 10 from the free-throw line, pulls down just the one rebound, but 26 points. And that's what you expect your senior leader to do. This is a game Mississippi State had to have. So what does Tyson Carter do? Puts up one of his best performances of the season and goes and gets you the game. Mississippi State, you know, it looked to be, you know, hey, first half, 40 to 32, and there were times it looked like State was really in control. Arkansas comes on, and I really thought, you know, we had a chance to watch the end of this ball game in the press box at Duty Noble Field. And this tends to happen, and I think it's just one of those things is human nature. But it seemed like the officials kind of got on a roll with Arkansas and with the home crowd. And, and you know, maybe it's just one of those things that uh, you've kind of got to learn to deal with. And that listen, that happens for us who here at Mississippi State too, especially on the women's side of things. We get a lot of calls because I think sometimes it's just human nature that. Uh, you know, when you don't want to make that big call and then have everybody boo you or whatever, and they say, well, you know, state those guys are professionals. I've got some videos that will prove otherwise. All that said, Mississippi State outscored in the second half by seven. But when the game was on the line, and it really felt like that Arkansas was making all the big baskets, but State began to answer when it mattered most. 
Mason Jones is an absolute stud for Arkansas. He puts up 38 points. 18 of those points from the free throw line. That's one of those things that I, I have such an admiration for these stars in our league, the guys that, that are not afraid of contact. They're not afraid to get to the line. They understand, listen, I'm going to the rim, and I'm either going to score or you're going to put me on the line. Yeah, Quindary Witherspoon kind of built a, uh, you know, built a career on doing just that. And so those are things that I, I really admire. And, uh, you know, watching Mason Jones do that, even though that I wanted Mississippi State to win the ball game, I certainly had a lot of respect for the, the, the caliber of play that Mason Jones exhibited during the ball game. And State simply found a way to, to best him. Uh, those are things that excite me, is that a guy can go out and have a huge night like that and you still find a way to win the game. You know, we struggled with uh, Brian Tyree earlier this week. And that's the thing is when you've got a star player like that, you know that he's going to get off, but you got to make sure that uh, you have an opportunity to shut everybody else down because one guy's not going to beat you. And that was the case in this one. Really, really happy with the win. Now, people say, well, Steve, does this put us back in a tournament? Nope. Not yet. Still got a lot of work to do. Got a lot of things to work on, a lot of things, a lot of games left to play. And let's look at the schedule. Mississippi State in the home stretch now. We'll be back at Humphrey Coliseum on Wednesday. It's an 8 p.m. tip. So for those of you jeans pagers, we won't chat that night. We will have an opportunity to chat here in the coming days. We'll, we'll do the uh, – now that it's over chat tonight, it will, uh, we'll look to chat – uh, tomorrow night, assuming the baseball game is rained out as of today, I would say there's a real possibility of that, even though there's not a lot of rain in the area just yet. So we're going to watch very closely on that weather. We do expect to play baseball tomorrow, weather permitting, against Sanford. But on Wednesday, we'll take on South Carolina. That is the best team left on the Mississippi State schedule. That is, We're going to play them twice. You know, we got South Carolina at A&M, home against Alabama, we go to Missouri, we go to South Carolina, we finish the year with Ole Miss at Humphrey Coliseum, uh, which is senior night. Of these teams that State has left to play, there's only one of these teams you look at right now and say they have an opportunity to make the NCAA tournament, and that is South Carolina. And, of course, that means Mississippi State will play the best team left on the schedule twice. South Carolina currently 16-9 and nine and 8-4 and four in the conference. And you know as well as I do, they're looking at these two games of Mississippi State saying, you know what, we got to do no worse than split these games, but we probably need to win them. We are going to get their best effort. They're, without a doubt, there is no question. We're going to get their best effort. And listen, they have played pretty well down the stretch. Uh, they have won three games in a row. Their last loss came in Oxford. 84 to 17. That's kind of at the beginning of this old Miss run. Old Miss has played better as of late. You know, they nearly beat Kentucky over the weekend. But Old Miss beats them. And then since that time, and goodness, and to be fair, that they've won six of the last seven. Their long loss in that stretch is the Old Miss loss. They had beaten Vanderbilt. Then they went at Arkansas. They hammer Missouri, lose to Old Miss pretty handily. Kermit then beat them 84 70. Uh, and then they take down Texas AM and Columbia. They, they, they beat Georgia at Georgia 75-59, and I guess people are really starting to ask some questions about the Tom Crean era uh, there in Athens. And then this weekend, they take down Tennessee 63-61. So this is a South Carolina team that's playing with a lot of confidence. Again, winners of six of the last seven and three in a row. They will arrive in Starkville looking to win a ball game. Certainly. Now, 
after we take on South Carolina, you know, we're going to play them twice, but uh, we're going to travel to Texas A&M. This Texas A&M team, again, this is one of those things you just kind of look at and scratch your head about a little bit here. I don't know. I hear all the time about what you know, this endowment Texas A&M has and all this money they have. You know, these Texas billions and all that kind of stuff. Well, money can't buy you happiness and apparently it can't buy you wins. Because Texas A&M are 12 and 12 in men's basketball right now. 12 and 12, 6 and 6 in the conference. 9 and 5 at home, not an overly impressive mark there at home, but we'll have to go down there and play. And it's always tough to win on the road in this league, but this is one we absolutely have to have. A&M has been struggling. They have they have lost three of their last five. Their last game, a win over Georgia in College Station, 74 to 69, a Georgia team, kind of a one-man show down there. But many of the games with A&M this year have not been competitive. I mean, if you just take a look at their, here at the recent run, uh, they lose at Georgia 63-48. to 48. They take down a pretty bad Missouri team, 68-51. They lose at South Carolina by 20. They lose against Florida at home by 17. And then they got out that win uh, against Georgia. They'll be in action uh, later this week at Alabama on Wednesday. But that is that is a, you know, we, we said, well, you know, we got a chance to play our way in. We can lose our way out, too, and we're currently on the wrong side of the bubble. So that's a ball game that we absolutely cannot lose. Then we will host Alabama next Tuesday. This is an Alabama team, again, not expected to be an NCAA tournament. They're kind of battling to get an NIT positioning. 14-11, 6 and 6 in the conference. But they absolutely embarrassed Mississippi State, and we went to Tuscaloosa. 90 to 69 was the final in that game. Alabama has hit a rough stretch here as of late. Losers four of the last six. They lose at LSU. They lose at home to Arkansas. They lose at home to Tennessee. They win 105-102 at Georgia. They lose to Auburn 95-91 in Auburn, and then they take down LSU 88-82. Kind of Jekyll and Hyde, but again, very inconsistent. Not a great team. They get some winnable games ahead of them, too, A&M and Ole Miss. Again, that's a ball game we've got to have. No, no, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We go to Missouri, and you remember we, we played them earlier this year, beat them to death, 72-45. That was State's first SEC win of the year. I am sure they remember that, and uh, they have actually improved since that time. They're 12-13 and overall and 4-8 and in the conference. Not a great home team either, but they're ten and three there. But you know, listen, this is an opportunity for state. We've got to find a way to win on the road. If you look down at the home stretch here, they again they have been up and down. Have won uh, two of their last five games, lose at South Carolina, lose at Texas A&M, beat Arkansas at home, lose at LSU, and then they take down Auburn in Columbia, Missouri on Saturday. And so kind of, you know, Jekyll and Hyde with those guys too, you know, they'll take on Ole Miss, Arkansas, and Vanderbilt before we have an opportunity to play them. But they could win a couple ball games before we see them. So they'll be playing with a little more confidence. But, again, you know, they're they're not in the NCAA hunt, 12 and 13 overall. If you're an NCAA tournament team, you got to be able to beat a losing team this time of year. 
we go back to South Carolina, and then we'll have Ole Miss. Ole Miss again, 13 and 12 overall, 4 and 8 in the conference. And uh, you can spare me your tweets about, oh, I thought Ole Miss wasn't good at sports. They're not. Uh, and so this is a game State has to have. Simple as that. Yes, they have played better as of late. Their postseason lives are, uh, are, are on life support. You know, they, they could get hot down the stretch and, and play their way into perhaps the NIT. But they have had a pretty good stretch here. They beat South Carolina, as we mentioned earlier. They beat Florida. And they beat Mississippi State. All three of those games were at home. And then they go on the road and scare Kentucky to death. Scare Kentucky to death. Goes down to the final minute. Kentucky finds a way to survive. They will travel to Missouri, host Alabama, go to Auburn, Vanderbilt, Missouri, Mississippi State. So they have some winnable games down the stretch too, but also have a couple games, again, that are going to be difficult. But again, this is, a, this is a game we should win. I mean, and here's the thing too. I, I don't think Ben Howland will have to say anything to get Mississippi State up to play that game. We shouldn't. You know, when you've got a roster filled with Mississippi kids and Mississippi State legacies and people like that, you shouldn't have to have the big rah-rah pregame speech. But you better expect that they're going to play that 1-3-1 one, one zone defense because every time they do with Mississippi State, it's been very successful for them. Very excited about what's happened as, over the weekend, but uh, we have not played our way into anything yet. We have to continue to win some ball games. And every one of these games down the stretch is winnable. But none of them are going to be easy. This is the Southeastern Conference. These are Southeastern Conference players that you're going to be competing against. Many of these guys are either fighting for a postseason berth somewhere, whether it be NCAA or NIT, or they're fighting for a starting role next year. So nobody's going to lay down for you in this conference, especially this time of year. So Mississippi State's going to have to go beat people down. That's what needs to happen. That's what's going to happen. I'm still very concerned about our ability to play on the road, but, uh, but we'll see what happens. Because when you look at this final schedule here, you know, it's you got six games left, three and three. Three games at home, three on the road. Got a A&M at Missouri at South Carolina. I, I think my personal opinion is that Mississippi State has to do no worse than five and one down the stretch. No worse than five and one, and, and that loss has probably got to come to South Carolina because they're you know, obviously they're the best team left on the schedule. You cannot afford to drop one of these games to one of these losing teams or these teams hovering right around five hundred. We absolutely cannot do that. I want to remind you too, we've added a new sponsor to the show, Hawthorne.co, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. I've had so many people reach out in the last week and say, you know what, Steve, I tried the products. Uh, our, my wife got them for me for, for, my, for Valentine's, and uh, you're right. It's great. And, and here's the thing. I won't just pick up an advertiser just to pick up an advertiser. In fact, I've probably told more people no than I've told yes since in the last year since I've been independent. I love these products. I have a lot of confidence in these products. I've been very impressed with everything. You can go take the quiz on the hopborn.co website. They will send you products based on your personal preferences. It is not a one-size-fits-all men's personal hair care company. So, I mean, again, I encourage you, go take the test. I have the full line of products. I've got uh, the shampoo, the conditioner, the body wash, the lotion, 
the cologne, and and they give you the work cologne and the play cologne. So it's not again, it's not a one size fits all thing. I'm telling you, you're gonna love it. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. It's one you can remember. It's Boneyard, B-O-N-E-Y-A-R-D. So go to Hawthorne.co. That's with a W H A W T H O R N E. Dot co. Take the quiz and order it. You can set it up for replenishing shipments, or you can just simply get, you know, get an initial shipment, try it out, see for yourself. And I'm telling you, what, this cologne is the best cologne that I've ever had. And I think once you have that, you say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and continue to be a Hawthorne person. I think we're going to be in Hawthorne State. I really do. So let's get into uh, baseball. There is a lot to feel good about when it comes to baseball, and I want to talk baseball with you guys. So, like every season, there is a lot of optimism and, and a lot of expectation for this Mississippi State baseball team. I have said, you know, for a year now, nearly a year, since we left Omaha last year, that I expect us to be back, and I do. And, I, and nothing happened over the weekend uh, to make me feel any less confident in that projection. I think this team is, if anything, I am more confident about this team because we did not have an offensive explosive weekend where Justin Foskey and Jordan Westberg and Tanner Allen carried the team. As a matter of fact, much, many of the big hits came from Rowdy Jordan in the leadoff spot because of the fact that the guys in the bottom third of the order were getting on base. And so you had guys like Cameron James and Logan Tanner. So you had these young guys out there kind of carrying in the heavy lifting. You know what you're going to get from Justin Foskey. You're going to get double-digit home runs. You know what you're going to get from Jordan Westberg, probably a double-digit home run guy himself this year. You know what you're going to get, Tanner Allen? I mean, these guys are all Americans. And so when you have a weekend that you can get a sweep and you win by multiple runs every every single day and you don't get carried by the heart of your lineup, that is that is room for optimism. It really fires me up. So let's go ahead and look at uh, – let's go ahead and look at let, – let's run down Friday real quick here. You know, Mississippi State wins that ballgame 9-6. JT Ginn goes and leaves early. And and listen, let me go ahead and address this right now because I want to make sure that, that, I, that I am crystal clear about this. You don't win national championships in college baseball in February. You, you don't do that. And so we're not going to run JT Ginn out there and extend him unnecessarily in 40-degree weather with a guy that didn't pitch a whole lot in the summer. I mean, he took his fall bullpens. They're going to be careful with him, not because he's fragile, but because of the fact he is valuable. He'll be fine, but when you've got a guy that uh, had some inflammation routinely last year, why would you tax him against Wright State? And so they had him on a pitch count. It wasn't like he was ineffective. It wasn't like that uh, the, the, the Lamonis and Fox all said, oh, we got to get him out of there. No, we're going to protect him because he's our guy. And so we go out and we and we have this ball game, and uh, we we get ahead two nothing, and they tie it two two in the third, and then uh, actually take the lead in the fifth because we had some bullpen issues, and that's part of the deal. Okay, that's 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 part of it. Early, you're going to get some guys some work. Uh, Carlock Kofler is going to be good for us. Now, and here's the thing. The last couple of scrimmages, he got hit pretty good, too. And so he's still adjusting to life and times in the Southeastern Conference. And so he is a guy that consistently threw strikes in the fall. 
He is a guy that has pitched at Division One level, didn't have a great outing, but he is going to be very valuable to us. Chase Patrick comes on in relief of him two innings and was masterful. Gets the strikeout, pitches to contact, does have a couple walks, and actually is credited with the win. But I thought that he went in there and really competed. He's also a guy that uh, has pop evil as a walkout. Little bonus content for you. Jackson Forrester, of all the relievers that I saw, and I didn't go to every false scrimmage like Mike Nemeth and Gene Swindoll did. And let me, I'm going to say this too, and this may hurt a few feelings, and I'm okay with that too. There are a lot of people that comment about Mississippi State baseball who have not seen Mississippi State play baseball until this weekend. There are a lot of people that didn't go out there and watch any of the scrimmages. They hadn't been in any of the practices, hadn't been in any of that stuff. And they'll get out there and talk intelligently about Mississippi State baseball. But in the games that I went and saw this fall, I was very impressed with Jackson Forrester. Very impressed. I, I like his makeup. I like his arm action. He's got that high leg kick. Uh, he competes. And what does he do in his first official inning as a Mississippi State Bulldog? It gives you one inning of hitless baseball. Gets the one strikeout, three at-bats, two ground outs, and we're back in the dugout 14 pitches later. That's all that I can ask from that guy. And listen, we're trying to define these long relief and middle relief roles. Jackson Forrester is going to factor in that in a major way. Landon Sims. We've heard so much about Landon Sims in the fall. And uh, listen, I've had people tell me that he's a guy that, that will hit 100 miles per hour at some point, that he's got that type of arm, that he is an absolute stud. And uh, so he trots out there and doesn't retire hitter. Hits the first guy, faces, walks the next two, and then we have to go get him. Has a couple wild pitches, just didn't happen. Jared Schimper comes on, gets us out of the jam, and actually gets a save. And so, and then everybody's like, oh, our bullpen. Oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? There's no way we're going to Omaha. So we're five innings into the very first game of the season, and some of our fans have already given up on our hopes of going to Omaha. Baseball is a long game, a long season, long weekends. A lot of these guys were pitching on a college mound for the first time in their lives. Some of these guys were pitching at Duty Noble Field for the first time. As a matter of fact, everybody that pitched on Friday, other than JT Ginn, towed the rubber in front of the Duty Noble crowd for the very first time. And again, it mattered. And it was hit or miss. It really was. Carlisle was up and down. Patrick was good. Forrester was good. Sims was not good. Schimper was very good. On the offensive side of things, yeah, only had a couple guys get some multi-base hits. Rowdy Jordan, couple two for four. Two runs scored, two RBIs. Justin Foskey, one for four, drives in three. Bases uh, clearing double. Josh Hatcher, two for four. Cameron James, the freshman, two for four. And go, I'm going to tell you now, go ahead and get ready. Go ahead and get ready. If this kid stays healthy, he's going to be He's going to be great. He's going to be on the front of the media guide. Kid's going to be All-American, I'm telling you. That kid can play. And then Landon Jordan goes two for two and then has two walks. And you talk about getting good production out of a nine-hole hitter. This guy's not a nine-hole hitter. A lot of times... 
people use the nine hole as almost like an additional leadoff. And that's kind of how it is with Landon Jordan because he is a guy that's going to put the ball in play. He's DH and, and we're kind of hiding him down there in the nine hole reads. And he gets on base four times. Four times. And what that means is that more times than not, Rowdy Jordan is going to hit against the pitcher that's in the stretch. That's good. That's good lineup management right there. So we win that ball game. We get into Saturday. And, you know, here's the thing about Saturday. We have heard so much for two years now about Christian McLeod. Everybody's heard about him. Everybody's talked about him. A lot of our fans are like, well, how good is this kid going to be? We've heard about how Daz, when he's been in the fall, he gets sick last year, red shirts, comes back. And, and then I remember last time we had uh, the run to Omaha, I remember talking, you know, just at practice, just kind of visiting with Jake Mangum and Elijah McAmey, and those are names that carry a lot of respect around this baseball program. If you want to talk baseball and you can sit down with those two, you have been well-educated. Both of them said, watch Christian McLeod next year. He was good enough to be a weekend starter last year as a freshman. And it is so great to see a guy live up to the hype. Christian McLeod comes out, goes five innings, 77 pitches, one hit. One hit, and that and that was just you know one of those things that happens. It was kind of you know <laughs> the guy goes up there and hits the baseball the opposite way. We you know we had to shift on there, and he just kind of found some grass. It wasn't like he went up there and just barreled one up and put it out of ballpark. Eleven strikeouts, one walk, three ground outs, and that's one of those things till you begin to look at. Okay, he faced seventeen hitters, right, and he walked one. So you got 16 guys that officially batted. 11 of those 16 struck out. One of them got a hit. Three of them grounded out. Uh, the defense pretty much got a day off. Then you bring in Will Bednar, and he's another guy, too, that is, you know, he's a 97-98 guy on the gun. And he's hitting 96, 97 out there in the cold. He goes three innings. He had two perfect innings. Uh, and then you know, we elongate him a little bit. Lamona said in the post game, you know, because you had some room to work with, we want him to kind of become a long reliever. We allowed him to get a little bit extended. And so he gets touched for a couple runs. Uh, and that's part of the deal. You know, they're not all going to be perfect. Three hits, two runs, two walks, four strikeouts, a couple wild pitches, and again, most of that damage done in that third inning of relief. And he'll get better. He'll get better. But I was very impressed with what I've seen from him. Riley Self is a guy that has been on the shelf for a while. People remember what he was a couple years ago and uh, has had a couple of shoulder surgeries and uh, had a chance to speak with some people close to Riley and said, you know, he went to Utah. And they kind of reworked his mechanics a little bit when he was out there for the summer. And if you notice last year in his pitching delivery, Riley was short-arming everything. A lot of it is you know, because of the fact he's trying to protect that injured shoulder. They go to Utah. They rework him. Okay. They kind of remap his delivery, work on some arm slot stuff. And the next thing you know, he's able to whip that ball around and, and his velo comes back. Well, then as he begins to get some below back, and all of a sudden they're changing the arm slot a little bit, he kind of had to adjust a little bit. And the next thing you know, his cut fastballs got bite again. 
And so having Riley Self back, if we can get Riley Self anywhere close to what he was, we have really got something. You know, Riley Self at one point was, you know, we thought he was going to be a weekend starter for Mississippi State. And then he ends up being the best relief guy we have, and then he gets injured. And so now you've got him back, and he goes and throws a, uh, a perfect ninth inning in, in Saturday's game. It was not a safe situation. No hits, no runs, no walks, no strikeouts. He goes out there and uh, gets a couple pop-ups and rolls the ground out. When Riley Self is on his game, he is getting routine ground balls and pop-ups. Nobody really barrels him up. He did have one on Sunday where he left the ball up and a guy punished him for it. But that that's, you know, you're going to have some of that if you compete. But he goes out there in back-to-back days and, again, has a great performance on Saturday. And, and all this discussion about the bullpen on Saturday, you're thinking, okay, well, hmm, we only really had one inning that we had in trepidation the entire day. Mississippi State pitching dominated that day. 150 pitches thrown for Mississippi State. 150. We'll get it done. 150 pitches thrown, 15 strikeouts combined. That dog will hunt for sure. And again, looking offensively here, uh, Jordan Westberg, two for five on the day. Cameron James, two for three. There's a guy again. And then Logan Tanner, three for four. A home run, a single, and a double. Triple away from the cycle for your catcher. And uh, the one time they did get him out was on a, uh, on a, on a, a questionable uh, check swing appeal. Brad Cumbus got in the ballgame, got a hit too. But again, the, the bottom third of the order. And again, that's these younger guys, these younger guys, Cameron James, Lennon Jordan, Logan Tanner. And I know Lennon Jordan's a sophomore, but these are guys that are going to be around for a little while. And those are the things that kind of fire you up because when, there's been so much concern about what are we going to do next year when all these juniors are gone? There's a possibility JT Gann will be draft eligible this year. And so what happens when that nucleus of juniors has moved on? And we've got five of them in the order, and they're all five going to go. Okay, I would think the only guy that you look at and say might not go would be Rowdy, and I think that depends on what kind of year he has. But when you begin to look at that group and say, okay, well, what happens? Well, that means some young guys this year are going to have to step up. And it's just one weekend, but I think the early returns are very favorable. You get into the Sunday game, and we knew that Eric Sarantola, you know, last year he had some control issues, and really a lot of that is him overthinking the process. It's not a matter of, his physical skill, it sometimes he gets in his head a little bit and he begins to kind of bear down thinking, oh, I missed that one. I got to make the perfect pitch this time. And there was some of that on Sunday. But he found a way when he pitched himself into trouble, he was able to pitch himself out of it. And so let's kind of get through this real quickly here. So we start that um, the very first hitter he sees, he walks on a full count. And the next thing you know, he gives up a single, but he settles in. He settles in. He's already in, because that was the thing last year. It was feast or famine with him. You know, if he got out there, so there was, sometimes he didn't get out of the first inning. Well, then he gets a fly out to left, strikeout swinging, and then he gets a guy to fly out. And so you're out of the, you're out of there without any, any damage done. Yeah, you kind of had the rough start, but uh, it didn't cost you anything. We come back out in the second inning, and what do you know? We strike out the side. He gets Neff looking, Neff looking, McConnell looking, and Piatto swinging. 
and a lot of those were on that breaking ball. He is one of those guys that can consistently snap that breaking ball in for a strike. There are a lot of people that want to get a swing and miss on it. Sarantola can consistently throw his breaking ball for a called strike. And once he begins to do that, then he can begin to expand his own a little bit. And that's where you kind of run into trouble. Because when you got a guy that throws as hard as he does, and he can drop that breaking ball in you and you land his breaking stuff as he wants to, the game changes for him. Then he comes back. We think he's got some confidence. He comes out for the third and right away gives a double. And it was hit pretty well. Then he walks Damon Dews again. And Damon Dews is a good player. That's one thing this Wright State team, they've got some pieces. They're going to be really good in their league. I, I suspect they'll be a team that will probably challenge uh, for that conference championship and that you know automatic berth in NCAA tournament. They probably felt like last year they got jobbed because they were the one seed and their tournament got upset. But back to this third inning, uh, Quincy Hamilton, who proved to be among the toughest outs of the weekend, walks. And now the bases are loaded with nobody out. And this is when everybody expected Sarantola to implode, including myself. We said, okay, well, this is it. You know, he danced with the devil in the first inning, he gets out of it, and he has the big second inning, and you think he's fine, and now he's pitched his way into some trouble. He got hit hard, and then he's kind of lost the zone. That's not what happens. He gets a, a line out to Justin Foskey, who thought we were going to turn two right there. And then he gets Zane Harris swinging and Garrett Angling swinging. And that's that video clip that you see him out there pumping his fist and everything. That's when he struck Garrett Angling out on that breaking ball down. It was incredible to see emotion from that kid. So here he is again, has pitched himself into and out of trouble. Comes back out in the fourth, right, just like it was in a second. It's incredible. The even innings were great for Sarantola. He gets Neff swinging, gets McConnell to ground out the third, and gets Piatto swinging, and that's the day. And so, you know, and granted, he is going to be a volume thrower. Okay, he is going to be a guy. It's probably never going to work deep in the ball games, just because of the fact he does struggle with control and command at times. And so, he is one of those guys that uh, if he can get you five, six innings, then life is great. 79 pitches thrown, and he told me in post game that he felt like he had a couple of innings left. And, of course, you're not going to elongate that guy this early in the year, especially when you have guys that need to get work behind him. But I was impressed. I was impressed with his mental fortitude because that was what I thought hurt him last year. It's when, when some things didn't go his way, he kind of quit on himself, started overthinking things, started overthrowing mechanics and break, out, break down. I think we've got something to build on from here. And I think everything with Sarantola is going to be confidence. Every bit of it is going to be confidence. Now, now I think that he's had some opportunities to kind of battle through some things. It's going to be better for him in the long run. How he performs this next weekend will be huge because it's going to be a lot different against Oregon State. So we bring Riley Self out. Riley gives up uh, the triple, and then they, they score without the benefit of a hit after that. Uh, and, again, it was just one of those things where Riley left the ball up. Outside of that, rolls three ground balls, and the inning's over. Lennon Sims comes in. Lennon Sims didn't retire a hitter at all on Friday and looked bad. And Lamontis jokes said, hey, I'll try him back out there tomorrow. I have a lot of confidence in that kid. Bring him out there on Sunday. He strikes out the side on 16 pitches. Absolutely throwing gas. Bring in Jackson Forrester. Again, I'm really high on this kid. I think he's going to be a very good middle relief for State. He goes one inning, allows the hit, gets a strikeout. 
rolls a ground ball, the inning's over. Ten pitch inning. You gotta like guys that are pitch efficient. You gotta like guys that'll go out there and pitch to contact and make sure that it's measured and manageable contact to allow the defense to play behind them. When I got relievers going out there getting out of the inning and ten pitches, you know, b- as soon as they get a Gatorade, they're back on the field defensively because we, 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 we're we're retiring the, the side so quickly. Really excited about Jackson Forster. Jared Schimper comes back in. He gets a save on Friday. Well, he has a perfect inning on Sunday. One inning, no hits, no runs, no walks, no strikeouts, three at-bats, two flyouts, a ground out, eight pitches, we're back in the dugout. And then we bring out the old man, Spencer Price. And, man, how great it was to see Spencer have a great outing. You know, there were times last year that I, I really felt sorry for Spencer because I wondered if he would ever truly be back. Yes, he's back in the uniform. Yes, he's back in the dugout. But I wondered if he would really be anything more than a mop-up guy. And that's not to be critical of him, because but there are just simply some people that go through that Tommy John procedure, and they never really regain their pre-injury form. And so to see Spencer go out there and pitch as dominantly as he did is very encouraging. One inning, no hits, no runs, three strikeouts. Strikes out the side on 19 pitches. He had, a, he had, a, he had I think that first count got a little bit elongated on him. But uh, the main thing that I saw from him is just that same ferocity that we used to see when he took the mound where he felt like, you know what, you can't get on base. You can't. You're not going to be able to hit me. And if you do hit me, it's going to be something that my teammates can run down. I'm about to get you out. And I thought he showed a lot more confidence uh, in that ball game. And so when you begin to look at yesterday, you have five innings of relief. And you allow one run on two hits. That's it. That's it. Just four hits in the game against Mississippi State pitching. And so a lot of those, you know, a lot of those, you know, shoot from the hip kind of adverse reactive social media postings on Friday. I mean, they were all silly when they were posted. But my hope is, is that, some of those concerns have been somewhat alleviated, and it's just one weekend. But some of these same guys that, that you know that you people were kind of critical of on Friday, Landon Sims being one of them, uh, comes right back out and redeems himself. These kids are going to be good. This is going to be a good team. So what's next for this? Okay, let's, oh, before we get to this, look at offensively. Again, there's Rowdy Jordan, two for four. Jordan Westberg, two for four. Uh, skip on down the list here. Again, Cameron James, one for four, two RBIs. Go ahead and expect his name to be on the positive side of the box score more times than not. Uh, Brandon Pimentel just started playing left field a couple weeks ago because we wanted to find a way to get his bat in the lineup. Had a hit on Saturday, had a hit on Sunday. It's going to take him a little while, but he's going to get going. So Mississippi State sweeps never much trepidation, you know, because it just felt like pitching-wise we were going to hold him down. The big concern going into the weekend, how do we define these bullpen roles? We're getting there. And, again, it's just one weekend. Uh, the team is expected to play again on, on Tuesday against Sanford. Don't know if we're going to play bas- baseball or not. We hope to. But uh, there is rain in the start of the forecast for that game. They will do everything to possibly get the game in. Uh, I can tell you at this point it has not rained much at all today. Not much at all. Woke up this morning. There was some uh, some misting, I guess you could say, but uh, 
there are thunderstorms expected for the area this evening and on into the morning. Not exactly sure when or if the rain is going to break at all on Tuesday, but that is a somewhat of an iffy contest at this point. First pitch scheduled for 4 p.m., and we'll see how that goes. Our ground screw does a tremendous job, but if we can't play, we can't play. So that is something to be mindful of. I should think about February baseball. We always seem to have a lot of rain. And then we're going to get ready to play Oregon State. Oregon State, a national power. Big to get Mississippi State and Oregon State together in Starkville. It's a really cool thing. It's a big moment. I mean, it really is. I mean, and I think it goes to show you, too, Mississippi State's serious about non-conference scheduling. Yeah, we want to get some guys some work. But we also want to beef up that schedule and pack the house and have a super regional-type atmosphere. So my hope is you'll be able to turn out and be a part of this thing this weekend as we prepare because it looks like the weather is going to be cool, but it doesn't look like it's going to be wet. There is some rain in the forecast for Sunday. Friday is expected to be a sunny day, but it's going to be a cold day. Okay, go ahead and prepare. It's going to be similar to what we saw this past Friday. And then Saturday will be in the 50s, partly cloudy. And, again, that's your advanced forecast. But, um, again, this is a big moment to get Oregon State here, and I hope that you guys can come out and uh, be a part of that. I want to remind you, our good friends at Campus Bookmark, longtime sponsors of the show, Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, they're all there to help you and treat you like family because in their minds, you are family. Go by, check them out, see the latest and greatest in Mississippi State novelty items and memorabilia and fashions right there in their shop. If they don't have it, they can get it. And Miss Kathy Brown shared recently those uh, hip black and white and maroon and white M over S hoodies. They're going to have those for you. They're going to have them for you. And those knitted uh, baseball jerseys, you can go and get those. Go ahead and order them now. And by being a loyal bone yard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR. Visit them at campusbookmark.net and use promo code BSR and save shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. And who doesn't want to save some money? So again, promo code BSR at campusbookmark.net. Make your online order today. Mom, I'm speaking on behalf of Dad and all the kids. We want new Mississippi State merchandise. We want new Mississippi State clothing. You know what? And when you decide to go buy things for the home and you buy Mississippi State stuff, it makes us all feel like we're part of it. So it wasn't all... uh, you know, unicorns and rainbows over the weekend. Mississippi State women dropped that ball game to uh, to Kentucky again. Not, not a not a huge upset, but it was an upset. You know, one of the bigger wins that Kentucky women's basketballs had in a while. It's been a while since we we felt the loss. It's not something that uh, we enjoy, but I also think too, it's one of those things too. Sometimes you can learn the lesson. Uh, and losing the ball game, and I think Vic Schaefer will certainly use this as motivation as we prepare to make the the home stretch and the SEC tournament. Okay, so Lady Dogs, twenty-two and four overall, and ten and two in the Southeastern Conference. We had uh, been on a, a, an incredible winning streak. We had won, was it one seven in a row? Let's see, one, one, two, three, four, five, six in a row before we lose to Kentucky. We knew that stretch of at Tennessee, host A&M, and at Kentucky would kind of define the second half of the season. We've won two of those three. We will have to kind of pick our pride up and get ready to go on the road to take on an Auburn team this Thursday that gave us a lot of trouble. 
And you better believe Vic Schaefer will have the team motivated. I expect us to go win that ball game, but I do expect it to be a, a fight because it's not a great matchup for us because they're a, lot, they're a lot like us. They want to get out and run. They want to press. They can't really run a half-court set. And it's, and it's one of those things, too, you know, Vic wants to get out and pressure on the backcourt. And so if they break the press, it's kind of it, it kind of lends to their offensive system. If you, They're one of those teams, if you elected not to press, if you get out of the press and you make them play half-court offense, they're going to struggle. But Vic's going to do what Vic does. That's going to be an 8 p.m. tip. That's going to be on the SEC Network. Be sure to check that out. Then we come home to play Alabama and to play Arkansas. And then we travel to Ole Miss to uh, to end the regular season. So Mississippi State should win these final four ball games. Not saying they will win, but they should win. I think they will be favored to win all four of those games. It's one of those things you begin to look at. You know, Arkansas has uh, has been better at times, and uh, they still got Chelsea Dungy, who is one of the best players in the Southeastern Conference, and so she can shoot them in into a game with anybody. When she is on, they can compete. But they got to come down here and play. And Mississippi State's having a really good school year against Arkansas. I mentioned that on Twitter. Mississippi State uh, beats Arkansas in uh, men's basketball and football and will now have an opportunity to do it in women's basketball. And then we'll, we'll have baseball coming up and we get them here. But it's been a pretty good academic calendar between the Bulldogs and the Razorbacks from Mississippi State point of view. Ole Miss now currently 0-12, last place in the SEC again. South Carolina now two games ahead. you got to feel good about if you're South Carolina because you have uh, now the two-game lead with just four to play. So it looks like South Carolina will finish as the SEC regular season champion if the chalk holds. A&M. A little bit off what people expected, not us because Kennedy Carter's been hurt. She had a huge game this weekend. But State now two games ahead of the third-place team with four to play. And, again, outside of that road trip to Auburn, there's really not a game you look at and say, okay, well, this team should give State some trouble. And, again, that Auburn thing is not really about Auburn being a great team. It's about not being a great matchup for Mississippi State. Auburn 3-9 and nine in the league and 9-14 and 14 overall. I, again, I expect Mississippi State to come out and play well in that game. So it, it, as it looks now, if the tournament started today, and again, based on current projections, it appears Mississippi State will be the two seed in the SEC Women's Tournament in Greenville, South Carolina. That's how it looks today. That's how we expect it to go. But uh, one of those things, I mean, hey, South Carolina's won 18 in a row. We're going to be a better team next year. They're young. We're young. We don't lose anybody other than Jordan, Jordan Danbury. Uh, I think we're going to be a better team next year. I think this year, we talked about this on the show before, we're a little bit ahead of schedule. You know, a lot of people said, well, you know, this team, Mississippi State team, you know, maybe maybe third or fourth best in the SEC. Uh, they lost so much, and all that attrition is finally catching up with them. But uh, I don't think people realized how great this young class was that we signed. And so we're only going to get better. And, uh, again, not expected to, to catch South Carolina this year, but we'll still have an opportunity to probably play them in the SEC tournament at some point. I would love to see State play them again on a neutral floor. I think that's big. And so then we'll see what happens. But, again, I think State's in a good enough position now. We, we can fully expect State to host 
the first two rounds of NCAA Women's Tournament right here at Mississippi State. I remember when that was such a novelty thing. Now it's something that we expect to do. So we'll look forward to doing that. So we're going to be back on Wednesday, and hopefully that we are recapping a Mississippi State baseball victory and then previewing that South Carolina game uh, on Wednesday. And then we'll have the, the, the Auburn women's game on Thursday. So on Wednesday, we'll kind of preview what is to come. And then on Friday, we'll begin to really break down Oregon State and uh, look at what they have, what they bring. They're not the team they have been, but it's still, this is one of those helmet sticker type deals. This is a prestigious program that's won multiple national championships. So anytime that you can get them in your yard, it's a big deal. And so it was an interesting weekend in the SEC. We'll, we'll begin to kind of look at some of that as we get into uh, later in the week. Uh, but again, I think it's going to be a really good year within the league. You know, Ole Miss takes two of three from uh, from Louisville, and that's a big weekend. That's a really loud opening weekend for Ole Miss. And I, you know, I think many people expect them to be middle of the pack in the SEC, and I think that's probably fair. But that's a big win. That's a big win. There's no other way around it. Vanderbilt, one and two the opening weekend. They lose to Michigan in dramatic fashion and then to Cal Poly. I don't think anybody expected that. And so things are always a little bit askew early on because people are still kind of figuring things out and getting these bullpen roles established. And so there will be a lot of baseball left to be played, obviously, as you guys know. But it's so great to have college baseball to talk about. And we're going to talk about it a lot here on this show. Look forward to being back with you guys again on Wednesday. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.